Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So about four hours before the ball dropped at Times Square and the wonderful first night festivities were in downtown Pittsburgh, Doug Oster in his home in the North Hills said, good night, Cindy. <laughs> you think I'm going to stay up? I you got to be kidding me. I know. I fell asleep at 11. Somebody we work, we work with stayed up, though. <laughs> Samantha. She's doing okay. She's got one eye open. Yeah, that's, but that's what being young is all I about. I know you have to when you're young, but there's no way I was staying up. Listen, I, Doug, my wife's uh, in Ohio with her mother, so they celebrate it. They stay up late. Really? Uh, there's no way I'm staying up. It's, 2023, Rob. We were growing up in the 70s. They promised us flying cars. By now, the Jetsons would be like real people, you know? Living on Mars. That could happen with Elon Musk. Don't 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 count it out. I did see something interesting today in my Twitter feed. Elvis was here, seventy six. Yeah, nineteen seventy six on uh, New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. The entire show is available on YouTube. Is it? Yeah, unedited. And so I thought that was fascinating. You know, Civic like, Arena. He you know passed less than a year later. Uh, and August so, of the yep following year. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. So what else has happened? Did you have a nice holiday? Oh, yeah, it was great. We did our Feast of Seven Fishes. Rob, you were, we had a ball when we came to see you for the Feast of Seven Fishes show. You were on fire. We had a good show. Oh, that was great to see everybody. And I didn't know that Dom Costa and I had mutual friends. Uh, yeah, yeah, through through my wife, Cindy, actually. Nice. And so she was texting me, and I was telling him, do you know, yeah, I know him, oh, yeah, I did this. And what was the thing about the your, the church you got married in, the Youngstown Diocese? So you talked about the Youngstown Diocese. The little church, Aurora, Ohio, was right. in, in the Our Lady of Perpetual Motion. No, Our Lady of Perpetual <laughs> Help. I went, boy, I missed that one. <laughs> Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Right. 1981, that was in the Youngstown Diocese. So when you've made these trips to Italy, have you ever gone to the Vatican or seen the Vatican at all? I did mass in the Vatican. Really? First time we went uh, was our 25th anniversary, and we're at 40-something now, so it's been a while. It's been a while. And uh, we walk into the Vatican, and we see that they're getting, and I I was just like, you know, trying to ask, you know, is it okay for us? And they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was was pretty exciting. I Uh, bet. I mean, the first time you walk into that, You've seen it, you know, these these iconic things you've seen a million times. When you walk into that big open area that you've seen on TV a thousand times before, it's really something. And then when you get in there and poke around, it it was pretty amazing. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the 10th caller to begin the festivities. That person will win a 
$25 gift certificate from Sorgles in Wexford. That's 412-922-1020. And if you have a question for Doug, uh, jump in here early, but we have some great interviews coming up as well. Number is 866-391-1020. Again, the 10th caller wins a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles, 412-922-1020. What's on your brain today? So later today we'll be talking to a friend of mine, Donna Balzer. She's the author of the Three-Year Gardener's Gratitude Journal, plus some other books. And we're going to talk about uh, about having a journal, about gardening, about uh, growing things indoors under lights. Um, and also today, this is the last chance. We just talked about Italy. Last chance to come with me to Tuscany in October, there are just a few seats left. Um, it looks like this week this will be it. And this is the second trip. My first trip to Tuscany is sold out. The, the next week I'm staying in Italy. And if you'd like to come to Tuscany and see Florence and Pisa and all these hill towns, just check it out uh, at uh, DougOster.com. It's going to be uh, so awful to be stuck in Italy for 18 days. 18 days? I do nine days with the first group and nine days with the second group, so it's going to be a scream. <laughs> uh, I, there's a webinar that we did months ago that shows every stop that we're going to make. And, you know, these trips, you know, people that have traveled with me before, they know. And there, I have lots of people that come with me year after year. You get this tour manager that takes you everywhere and knows everything, makes life easy. Um, so just check it out at DougOster.com. Uh, also, today's the day we'll start giving away the 3945 tomato seeds. That's the tomato that was found by a Pittsburgher on the battlefield in World War II. They're crossing a field and crossing this field of tomatoes and started eating these tomatoes and just, like, loving them. And he stuffed a, l a little bit in his pocket and... Somehow got those seeds home, and for 50 years, grew them. I found out about them. I love the story, and so here's the deal. All the information, again, is at the website, dougoster.com. But when you, uh, if you want these seeds, just send me a self-addressed stamped envelope, and when you grow them out, then you save me some seeds and send them back. That's how we keep this going, and it's a lot of fun. All the instructions are are with the seeds when I send them to you and how to get them. Again, it's all at the website, dougoster.com. Just all the instructions are there. Tell you more about the tomato, but people have really fallen in love with this tomato. It has that history of World War II, but it's also a Pittsburgh history, and it's also a great tomato. It's the start of uh, definitely seed catalog time. And so I'm trying to get my seeds organized, and I have mine organized by when they're sowed. So I've got now real early small seeds to sow indoors, like begonias and impatience and coleus, things like that will be the first things I'll start under lights. Then we'll start, you know, later in the season, we'll start peppers, then tomatoes. And we, now that's, that's months away from now. But getting them organized so that you don't miss anything, you know. Mine are all in jars you know like mason jars and so i've got early so early outside so early inside so and so again so that i don't miss anything and when i was looking through the seed catalogs one of the ones i really like is called uh, john sheeper's kitchen garden seeds and i was so excited that they have got one of these beans that i've fallen in love with back in and it's a pole bean it's called monte gusto and it's like a yellow wax bean but it, it just tastes like a regular green bean I've never grown one this prolific, 
uh, and I've told the story before, where I threw these seeds in from the Monte Gusto pole bean behind some garlic without really doing what I, you know, really working up the soil and everything just to get them in. So I put them in in July, and I had more pole beans than I possibly could have used, and we love beans. We will make them anyway. I was giving away big bags of beans to people. Uh, so I'm excited that Kitchen Garden Seeds has Monte Gusto pole beans. You can get them other places, too. That's just the first place I found them. Another one that um, I really love, and I love growing pole beans, I do grow a bush bean called uh, Dragon's Tongue, which I love because it has, uh, like, purple stripes over a kind of yellowish flat bean. But Cherokee Trail of Tears is another one of my favorite pole beans. I've been growing that since the 80s. It was the first heirloom bean that I tried. I did a story about a, a guy, and he gave me some of these Cherokee Trail of Tears. I actually still have the same packet that he gave me. It's not the same seeds, but it's the same packet. And every year I save the seeds and get more. But Cherokee Trail of Tears... The Cherokees were growing it on the East Coast. They were evicted and head on this death march called the Trail of Tears uh, over to Oklahoma in the 1800s. And terrible story, but great bean. They took the bean with them, and it just has this just a unique flavor. That's what I'd say, just a unique, nutty flavor. It's a beautiful bean, uh, purple flowers, then green beans, which turn to purple, which when you cook them, turn green again. And if you've got any seeds sitting around, and we all do, test them. This is a good time to test them. All you do is you take those seeds, you put them in a moist paper towel, put them in a Ziploc bag, seven to ten later, seven to ten days later, you take a look, see what percentage sprouted. If you got a good 50% or more, they're good. Otherwise, put them in the compost pile. All right, we'll take a break. What are we doing on the other side? We'll be talking with my friend Donna Balzer. She's the author of the three-year Gardener's Gratitude Journal, and we've got a lot of gardening stuff to discuss, too. Hey, win tickets to the CLO's Here You Come Again, a musical celebration of the humor and wit of Dolly Parton. And they'll be doing all of our favorites, Jolene, 9 to 5, and, of course, Here You Come Again. Show opens January 12th. But KDK has your tickets to see the show January 10th before it opens to the public. Enter to win now at kdkradio.com. Are you sure you weren't out last night? <laughs> he is so wound up today. Anyway, why don't you set this the up? The reason I, I am so wound up is I didn't go out last night. I just <laughs> stayed home all day. All I know is, thank goodness they didn't have Red Bull when we were young. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We'd yeah. have never slept. All right, if you will, introduce our guest, please. So, yes, um, you know, I've been having a lot of guests, a lot of fun guests on the show, and, and I was very excited to talk with Donna Balzer. Again, she's the author of the book, The Three-Year Gardener's Gratitude Journal. And we had a nice, nice talk. And we'll talk now, but then also after the news. So without further ado, roll tape. Well, I'm happy to welcome Donna Balzer to the show. She's a horticulturalist, speaker, author, and a friend of mine, <laughs> a great, uh, great garden communicator. Good morning. How are you, Donna? Hey, I'm great. Thanks, Doug. Okay, where are you today? I know you're you're in Canada, but you've been you've been around. I we've been emailing each other back and forth. Where are you talking from today? <laughs> today I'm in Calgary, Alberta. It is a crazy climate here. It was way below zero, like minus 35 last week, and then it got up to above above freezing this week. So only in Calgary, I've got to tell you that. Really, really tough 
on trees and shrubs this climate, but fantastic for gardeners who say, oh, I need a break. How did you get into gardening? Why is this your thing? Oh, gosh. I went right after high school. I was 17. Actually, I was just telling my grandchildren that today. I went to university at 17 to study horticulture. It seems like a ridiculous thing now. I don't know why I was so committed. I just always helped my parents in the garden, and I know I wanted to leave home. The only way to leave home was to go to university, so I signed up for horticulture, and uh, sometimes we say gardening, but when you take a full-on degree, it takes you four years, so more. I'm a horticulturist. And then when did this, uh, when did you move into writing and communicating about gardening? How did that start? You know, I was actually working at the Calgary Zoo. It was a botanical garden and zoo. And so we had collections, really interesting collections. I mean, it was so fascinating there. I got to do things from dealing with tropicals in one day to dealing with, uh, well, for one, one thing, we had gorillas that were trying to get out. They were always rolling up the sod and throwing it at each other. So we discovered if you pre-soak the grass seed, it was just kind of one way to get the lawn germinating. So I got to work. It was just the most bizarre selection of horticulture demands that I got to do. And I did that for quite a while. And that was really my first big job that launched me into horticulture. And then just a local newspaper called me and said, would you write a column? Yeah, okay, sure because it was the only botanical garden and I was the only horticulturist. And then from there, I went to CBC Radio. They called me and said, gee, you know, is it just those little old ladies that are gardening or who's doing this gardening? And so I just started radio. So it just kind of grew naturally. I think that that's how that happened. So I'm a big proponent of writing down what we do in the garden. And you have an amazing book called The Three-Year Gardener's Gratitude Journal. And I love the fact that it's three years worth yes. of information. Talk a little <laughs> bit about the book. Okay, well, I've lived in all kinds of crazy climates, including Calgary. And I know that every year is different. Every year, I mean, last year was the first time in my knowledge that we had these heat domes, that was the first time we had that. So things change all the time with gardening. So if you keep track for just one year or you ask a professional, you ask a horticulturist in your area, when should I plant or when should I harvest? Well, it always backfires because these things change all the time. So really even your front yard can be different than your backyard. So it's just, a, I just gave up one year. I said, I'm gonna have to do my own journal. It's gonna have to be at least three years because you need to sort of watch for yourself to see how things are changing in your own garden over time. So I I have really grown to love this journal. It's it's fantastic. It comes with little stickers, which are kind of fun. And yeah, it's just been fun. And not just a place to write down your thoughts, also lots of things to read too, right? Yeah, every week we have a different gardening story, all kinds of funny things. I did this with my daughter and she's also a writer and a gardener. So she interviews just little crazy things her kids say like the year her kids asked if they could grow bacon plants because she was a vegetarian so they thought well maybe if it's a plant we can grow it but no <laughs> so lots of little stories every week a different story gives you something just a little change your thought maybe on something or maybe make you look at something in a different way like all of the fantastic biologicals the things that were bugs eat other bugs people don't realize that so we just launch into little just short stories on how that relates to the garden. One thing that I love about keeping a journal, a gardening journal, is that you start writing down more things than just gardening. You start writing mm -hmm. all these other little things that 
might seem in, insignificant at the time, but when you look back into your journal, you know, two years back, three years back, there might be something in there that at the time didn't mean anything, but now is is pretty important and and something interesting to have in writing, to have permanently uh, noted. I know, like these journals are perfect when you get them. They're pale yellow. Oh, they're very soft. And by the time you're done writing all these little scraps and scripts, oh, we cleared our back lot yesterday, which we weren't planning on doing, wrote down two years ago, we're going to be building a mini house back here. Well, that didn't work out. But you read that a few years later and you go, hmm, you're right. <laughs> but also at the beginning of every month, we have just kind of an inquiry. We just ask questions like an early garden surprise I found. I think gardeners are, we're so good at growing, but we also are good at putting together pieces. Like the first time you see a robin in your garden, that is really exciting for a season for a gardener because you know that's the beginning of the change, right? So you just you just record all those bits and pieces and it's just a really fun thing. I've had, actually had people contact me and send me pages of their journals, which have birthdays recorded, mm. parties held mm. in their garden. It's really quite fun, Doug, really fun. We're talking to Donna Balzer. She's the author of, well, one of her books is The Three-Year Gardener's Gratitude Journal out of Calgary, Canada. Now, Donna, we were talking earlier this week. You're already planting things. How is this possible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's because I grew. So that's uh, it's Donna Balzer. Uh, she's a friend of mine, and I really love doing the garden journal. My, I've been doing my garden journal since the 80s. And so, you know, like I said, when you do a garden journal, it's more than gardening. It becomes a little bit of a diary. And so, yes, you'll have things in there. The last frost, uh, you know, what you're obsessed with, but also just these little things where, you know, your kid might do something or something happens and it's something you wouldn't take a picture of maybe or you wouldn't make a video of. And so that's the uh, that's the fun of of doing a garden journal. Now, I always I wonder now because I've got, you know, physical garden journals, you know, a lot of them since the 80s. What's going to happen to them? You know, are they going to be tossed, you know, at some point when the house is cleaned out? Or will somebody see that like, oh, my gosh, that's something you need to keep. Uh, that's that's uh, grandpa's uh, garden journals talking all about his whole life of gardening. So we'll see what happens. I wonder if maybe it might be will, will it last longer if I had it on a server somewhere. But I I think more in person, you know, again, I I once had these scientists come to the garden and they wanted to know how I could grow without chemicals. And I was just like, well, there's nothing to it. I mean, everybody was an organic gardener before World War II. So it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. But part of my whole thing was that garden journal, looking back, drawing maps, rotating the crops, make, having records, uh, planning. That's all what's done in that journal. And so I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool, and I like how Donna's journal is like a three-year thing, so that you can compare you can compare between seasons. You know, I gotta believe that a lot of people are hunkered down with their seed catalogs. That, and we got about thirty seconds. That really is a joy this time of year, is it not? Yeah, but definitely look at your seeds first before you go into your seed catalog. That's what I have to do. What do I have, and what do I need? <laughs> because you'll oftentimes look through those 
seed catalogs and be like, bye, 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 oh, bye. Oh, that's cool. That's great. That's good. And then you're like, I don't even have room to plant this. Kid in a candy store, eyes bigger than <laughs> your stomach. All right, stay with us. News coming up at 730. Then what's up? Well, we're going to talk to Donna Balser again, talk about growing things indoors like microgreens and even uh, something called a house tomato. Back with more in a moment. All right, before we get back to the second part of that interview, we want to let you know if you're the 10th caller, you're going to win a $25 gift certificate to Janowski's where they've got that homemade sauerkraut waiting for you. Nothing like it to ring in the new year. 10th caller at 412-922-1020. So I talked to Donna Balzer. Uh, she's in, uh, was actually in Calgary, Canada. Earlier this week, uh, we taped the interview, and in part two, she talks all about things that she's growing indoors right now that we can do ourselves. We're talking to Donna Balzer. She's the author of, well, one of her books is The Three-Year Gardener's Gratitude Journal she's out of Calgary, Canada. Now, Donna, we were talking earlier this week. You're already planting things. How is this possible? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's because I grew, I do grow, I have a greenhouse, I have a house, I have a grow lights. And so I got a little selection of just randomly, actually, a lady that bought my journal asked if I would send her some home tomatoes which are a tomato you can, a house tomato you could just grow in your house and in return she sent me some little miniature not more than four well maybe four to ten inch tall tomatoes and I said I'm going to start those right away why not I've got grow lights uh, they're small anyway so I'm going to keep them in the house they're never going out to the garden and I've had such good luck with the house tomatoes I've been harvesting them in December even because they grow in the house so I said I'm going to try some more of these and I've got those growing under lights and I regularly, if we hadn't made this little side trip to Calgary, I would have uh, greens growing right now. I love having fresh pea greens for Christmas. I love having, um, you know, lots of little things like arugula for, to put on my pizzas. You don't need to go to the store every time you need something because seeds are cheap. Growing little microgreens is easy. So I like to do that. How do you do your microgreens? I just start them in flats. I did buy some of the special shallow flats, which are only maybe a half inch deep. And they're good, but I only have a couple of those. So if I'm growing a bunch at once, I just use a big full tray, an 11 by 17 tray. I fill it half with soil. And I just, and the soil I use isn't real soil. It's what we call garden mix. It's just really peat moss and perlite because I don't want to get any natural soil in there because there's too many natural organisms that could backfire on something as tender as a microgreen. It's just growing fast. It's growing lush. It's growing in warm conditions, so you don't want to bring on any any badness. So I just use uh, the sterile um, soilless mix that you can buy. Put about an inch or so of that in the tray. Pre-soak my seeds. Spread them over the tray. That's a little trick we learned from the gorillas is pre-soaking everything. Just It comes up so much faster. Anyway, you spread it out, press it down, and here's the secret part. Put your favorite gardening books or even a telephone book, if you still have one, on top. They need something to weigh them down. Those sprouts are so strong that when they germinate within about four or five days, they'll start to push up those books and then you'll see that and then you'll take them off. But if you don't have something weighing down your microgreens, even if it's just another tray of microgreens layered on top and on top, 
if you don't have something on top, they'll come up all zigzag and crooked and they'll look, they'll be falling over as they come up. They need something to pressure them. They need something with a little bit of weight. So I discovered that kind of by accident. The way that you're growing them, how big do they get? Oh, full size. They'll oh. get, if I don't pick them right away, and let's just go back to pea greens because they're so great. With pea greens, I've discovered you can start harvesting them. Oh, here I am showing you with my hands. And of course, you can't see my hands because it's radio, <laughs> but about four to six inches tall. And then if I'm going to use them more than once, I'll just take my scissors and clip them back, leaving that very lowest leaf. So the very bottom leaf, I will not cut off. And what happens then, Doug, in about a week, I'll get another full flush. So I can harvest those microgreens three, four, five times. I was selling them at the market uh, for a while. One lady came up and she said she harvested hers for a year. I was like, a year? How did you keep doing that? <laughs> she did. But I do it at least three or four or five times. And usually when you buy microgreens, the commercial producers just do it once and then they throw them away. It's too much work. But when you're doing it yourself, you can get in there with your scissors. You can look as you cut. You're not just a laborer with a big set of shears. You're looking and cutting directly, leaving that lowest leaf. And that allows just a really great little fresh green that you can use in a salad on its own, or you can mix it in with other things. Or you can just put it on top of, um, say you made some salmon for yourself. You can just put a few pea greens on top. It's just so pretty and so bright green. And is this something you're growing under lights? Under lights. Okay. I have started them in the greenhouse, but once it starts to get cool in November, early December, uh, then I don't grow them outside. I, I move the operations indoors. And what are your favorite things to grow that way besides the pea greens? Yeah, the pea greens, the arugula. I love basil this way. People are kind of surprised because you can just buy a basil plant at the grocery store quite commonly now. But I like the, the greens, the microgreens, they, what I read about them, they're higher in nutrient, they're higher in value. So the little basil are amazingly good. But the biggest surprise for me is the green onions. Green onions are so yummy. You just, you know, if you, you can't get chives this time of year, you really can't buy them anywhere. And it's really hard to grow them in a garden. Most of us, our gardens are dead unless you're in California. So just having a few micro green, um, green onions is amazing. You can put that right on your, say, mashed potatoes or whatever, just a few, just enough to make it taste, because that was my biggest surprise. The microgreens themselves taste exactly like the plant. So the green peas taste like green peas, the green onions taste like green onions. They all have the flavor that the mature plant has, which I find, I don't know why I find that so hilarious, Doug. I just find that amazing. Donna Balzer is a horticulturalist, speaker, author, today speaking from Calgary, Canada, spends time in Vancouver Island, headed for Montana tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best way for people to, to find your books and to find more information about you? Well, probably my website, because that links you into my Twitter account and my other things that I do. So my website's just DonnaBalzer.com. Donna, it was wonderful to talk to you today. Uh, enjoy your travels and uh, enjoy your indoor gardening. And we're so jealous of you living in <laughs> by Vancouver Island. <laughs> Thanks again. All right. Thank you, Doug. You know, the way I do my microgreens is I just do them on the windowsill, uh, but I'm not growing them all the way to fruition. But, you know, radishes, sunflower seeds, beans, peas, as Donna said, uh, all those leafy greens, it's a great winter project, 
Um, you know, I've got a couple little, like, windowsill-sized uh, grow pots and barely any soil in there. But you just put a little bit of that seed in there, cover it with plastic. They'll sprout on their own. And like Donna said, the taste is is amazing. I'm going to have to do onions. That You know, like, bunching onions, that would be cool. Uh, and so microgreens keeps us going during the winter. That and seed catalogs. But, well, I've been growing microgreens for a lot, long time. And now the house tomato is interesting. Um, so if you're looking for that house tomato, the, the catalog is called J.L. Hudson. Oops, sorry. J.L. Hudson. I'm tripping over my tongue, Rob. <laughs> uh, and J.L. Hudson Seedsman. And I found this house tomato in there a few years ago. Gave away some seeds to some friends, and I was doing a story up in Slippery Rock where they had an aquaponics operation, and the woman was showing me around. She goes, and this tomato growing here is called the house tomato. And I was like, the house tomato? I said, where did you get that? Because I gave that away and ended up that a friend of mine, Monica, who's a master gardener up in Butler, she had given them the house tomato. So it's basically just a small tomato that you can grow supposedly indoors year-round, that one, yes, you'd, you'd benefit from a little bit of extra light. But for the microgreens, yeah, it'd be great to have lights, but you don't have to do it that way. You can grow these just on the windowsill. You don't need any special anything except for the seed-starting mixture. You get it moist, throw the seeds in, make sure that they can sprout by, again, covering them with plastic, and you'll be good to go. It's, it's pretty easy. Uh, I know people also that keep peppers going. Uh, all winter long, you know, sometimes under lights, sometimes just on the, the windowsill. And I think it works better with hot peppers and sweet peppers. But if they stay small, you can give them enough light. They'll be okay. They'll do their thing. But as I said, microgreens, they keep us, keep us going, Rob. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. If you have some gardening questions you'd like to talk to Doug, start New Year's off right. Our number is 866-391-1020. Stay with us. This is The Organic Gardener on KDKA. All right, back for the final segment of the very first show of the year, 866-391-1020, if you have a question for Doug. And uh, we, coming up next hour, one dish recipes, casseroles, pork and sauerkraut, all that good stuff to start off your new year with Frank Dentisi on the Coons Cooking Hour. The dad, Mr. Dentisi, is enjoying the holiday off. And then you and I together in the 9 o'clock hour, then Baird, your money and you, and then the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show. So you're heading into your second year as a gardener and think, I got this thing licked. I'm going to, you know, get another acre and go at it. Should you just continue to go slow baby steps, even if it is a very successful season and you're anticipating the start of season number two, Doug? Uh, well, first, first thing. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Exactly. <laughs> and we all do it. You know, I've actually let beds go back to the woods where I, I you know, was crazy when I started. And I said, I'm going to plant here, here, here. But I've just, as I said, let them just do their thing. And no longer, there's some shrubs in there. But uh, the number one thing when we, whenever we talk about building a garden is working on that soil. That's what we can do right now. Uh, you know, it's a little soft out there right now. When we had that, you know, it was too cold to work out there, when we, you know, last week. But when that ground freezes solid, it, it makes it easier to bring wheelbarrows of compost and horse manure and that sort of thing in. And that's what we do. Uh, I, I buried my fig tree with bags of compost. That's what I put them under this time. And so I'm going to have plenty of compost 
sitting there waiting for me in the spring. All right, let's go to Tom in the North Hills. Up for Doug Oster. Wants to talk garlic and tomatoes. Believe me, he can talk about garlic and tomatoes. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, yeah, um, I'm wondering, like, I plant my uh, tomatoes around the end of May. And would it be okay to plant them in the same place I have my garlic, you know, so that, you know, I've, you know, you harvest the garlic in the middle of July? Would those interfere with each other at all? Yeah, that's the one thing about the garlic. You know, I've been experimenting a little bit with this, Tom, where I'll have what I've been doing is I'm putting garlic in. <clears throat> And then I'm putting a fall crop on top of it, like yeah. a like a kale or a lettuce that yeah. that's going to come out of there early in the spring. I think the tomatoes, you know, they're going to get too big and they're going to compete with that garlic. And garlic hates competition, hates okay. weed, hate, hates weed competition, hates any kind of competition. And so, I don't think you know. I I wouldn't want to do it that way. Okay. May, maybe if you had the tomatoes like behind the garlic or something right. or. If you could pull the garlic early, but yeah, I don't know if that's going to work. Now, are you growing a, a specific type of garlic? Uh, hodgepodge, I call it. Yeah. But I had a, so maybe the next question I shouldn't even bother asking. So I also thought, well, uh, squash, like butternut squash, that it grow. So I wouldn't put that in until well, middle of June or so. So would that compete with the garlic? Like, could I put that in there and it wouldn't spread until after the garlic is harvested? I think you could experiment with it, especially if you could just push the vines kind of out of the bed, and then <clears throat> once the garlic's out of there, right, they could take over. I think that would be a good experiment. Right. You know, when you think of, of using the same place for growing more than one thing, garlic doesn't isn't the first thing that comes to mind. But when you think about a Three Sisters garden, it would be, right. it would be corn, pole beans, and then the squash rambling along the bottom so right. i i think that'd be a good experiment i would like to hear about that yeah i also was wondering like you know growing them in the windowsill like in uh, like my butternut squash i don't have grow lights and i'm not going to invest in grow lights but would butternut squash be or squash be something you could grow in the window and it wouldn't get the uh get, get leggy like other plants no, it's not gonna like it, it's not gonna like growing in the window. It needs full sun. Yeah, it's okay. just not it's not gonna be happy there. Just I mean, to get it started. I, I I just wanted to get it started, you know, and then transfer it to the garden. If you're gonna do that, the thing about those type of crops is yeah. is they resent transplanting. Uh, okay. So, what you do is you put it in something you don't have to take it out of, and they call them one way is is a peat pot, but right. The ones that are probably easier to find are called cow pots. I like the right. cow pots a lot. Like right. I know for sure Han Nursery has cow pots. Right. Most of our local nurseries do. They're just basically made out of dehydrated cow manure. Right. And when they, you know, you don't transplant the plant out of there. Right. You sink the whole thing in the ground. Right. right. But with window light, you never know if you're going to have enough. Right. You know, you could just sprout the squash right. there on the windowsill and then go into the ground right. but you're getting in if you get into 10 days 15 days right. they're they're gonna get leggy they're right you know okay okay well thank you all right thank you very much all right. all right so we always have people listening saying this is the year that i start so how do they start planning well like we said uh start small think about things that you want to grow you know whether it's tomatoes beans, marigolds, whatever it is, 
decide what you're going to put in, decide how much space that's going to take. And then number one thing is improving our clay soil. You know, we have clay soil or shale soil, depending where you live. And that is the key to the green thumb. People always tell me, I have a black thumb. I have a black thumb. There's no such thing as a black thumb. It's all about uh, Im- improving the soil. And so that's why we can do that this time of the year. In fact, where I live in Ross Township, they still have the municipal compost sitting there in a big pile, and people haven't got it. I don't know why. I keep going up there to get it. It's free compost. If you dump that stuff onto wherever you're going to garden, wherever you're going to put that, you're you're going to have a great first garden. I always tell people in their first garden, and the way we used to do it, we dump that compost on there in May. We we dig it in. Then the next year, more compost. We dig it in. By the third year, we dig it in, and we we have this great place to plant after three years. Now I tell people, get that compost. Whether you're getting it from a nursery and they're dumping it, or you're going to yourself with buckets to get it, wherever you're getting it, you're getting it by the bag. Get it and and make that your planting medium. Build up instead of digging it in. And when you build up like that, you have an instant garden. And especially for beginners. It's so hard for for beginners, and especially if your soil stinks, if it's terrible. Your, your, your plants are going to live, but they're not going to thrive. And so when you do spend the time, we always say it's, it's you spend $20 on the hole for a $5 plant. Now, you're not really spending $20 in compost. You're putting like 5 bucks of compost in there, and then you're putting your plant in there. But by doing that, by always, always, always improving the soil, you're going to be well on your way to having a successful garden and everything else will, you know, the first year you'll have those tomatoes will be too close together. It'll be crazy, but it'll all work out. Now I'm answering questions after the show at dougoster.com. If you didn't get through or too shy to call, you can learn more about my off the beaten path Tuscany trip. It's going to be sold out this week. And I was on PTL twice last week. So you can see both those Pittsburgh Today live appearances. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. And boy, I'm glad I went to bed early last night. You feel good right <laughs> now, don't good. you? I feel good. I feel great. Good enough to go home and take a nap. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doug. Great job. Happy New Year. Hey, Frank is here. One dish recipes, casseroles. Also, some last minute tips and tricks when it comes to pork and sauerkraut. All of that moments away. Coons Cooking Hour, Rob Pratt Sunday, KDKA Radio. Good morning. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 